is one of my favorite passages. God has used this passage in my life uh, several times, and uh, throughout my life, I find myself coming back to certain passages of Scripture, and Philippians 2 is one of those that the Lord has often directed me back to, or the Lord has used ever since, really, memorizing a long section of this passage in high school for... It was a youth group competition, but nevertheless, uh, our youth pastor had us uh, earning some privileges, uh, some points, some rewards, as we were involved in certain activities in the youth group, from Bible memory to attendance to evangelization, and I forget all the different things that that we were doing as part of the, the leadership team in the youth group, and I remember memorizing Philippians 2 all the way down through verse 11, and God has uh, used that tremendously in my life uh, really ever since. And so tonight, we'll be in Philippians 2 for just a few moments, and if you have a prayer list, you should see on the one, on the back, on the one side, there should be a half sheet with an outline if you want to follow along, and uh, I think there are some blanks there, and so if that's of help, I'll have the the notes on the screen, and then if you want to follow along in the outline there in the, uh, on the prayer list, you can do so there as well. We know Philippians 2, 1 through 11 very well, as I uh, mentioned already. Uh, this passage of Scripture I remember memorizing as a teenager, but I want to look at verses uh, 12, and uh, we'll get as far as about verse 18 or so, uh, Lord willing, in this uh, short Uh, devotional uh, type message tonight, but verse 12 of Philippians 2, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. And at this time of year, we focus on thanks and gratitude. But sometimes the other 364 days of the year, we focus on all the things that are wrong. And it's easy to complain. It's easy to become critical. It's easy to have a critical spirit, and especially with all the negativity around us. And it has been uh, part of what I have just learned to accept in the ministry I had a little bit of a hard time with it when I first began in vocational ministry, coming out of seminary and coming back from a short-term mission trip. Kelly and I got married, and then we started in our first ministry there at Bible Baptist Church in Terre Haute. And I learned very quickly that there are people, no matter what church, no matter how good the church is, no matter how strong and doctrinally sound and faithful the church is, there's always somebody who will find a reason to complain. And it's been that way in every ministry that we have been in. And some people are not happy unless they are complaining. And there would be times where in school I would come home and I would gripe about the day and grumble, grumble, grumble. And if you remember the old Patch the Pirate song about grumbling. I won't try to sing it tonight, but my mom and my dad would remind me when I would come home and complain about the school day and everything that was going on in my life, this verse would 
somehow, some way, come into the conversation. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now we have the internet. We have social media. And the, so, and the social media platforms are just wonderful ways for us to vent our frustrations with anything and everything. And because we can hide behind a screen, we will say things over the internet that we would never say to people face to face. And sometimes social media platforms are more about complaining and gossiping and criticizing uh, than they are for anything that's, that's positive, though they, of course, have their, their, their positives. So let's uh, take a few moments and just quickly go through some principles that will help us with curing our system of complaining. Now, we all are guilty of complaining at some point in our life. And I would often, as a principle, I would often remind our faculty and staff, and I would remind our students, and again, being in the ministry, uh, it was early on that I was told that I would have to have a tender hand and a tough hide, and uh, that's just the, the way it is. But there, there are people who have the gift of criticism. I don't find that gift in the Bible, but they just have a knack for always being able to come up with something that they can point out that would be a negative or a mistake that I made or a flaw or something that I, I didn't do quite right or say quite right. And uh, there's, there's been people who, uh, sometimes graciously, sometimes not so graciously, after I would preach, especially, uh, and, and I still get it now and I need it, and I need, I need correction. And uh, we, we went through it in pulpit speech, where we had to watch ourselves as uh, we were learning uh, the uh, homiletical and hermeneutical uh, principles of preaching, and we'd have to watch ourselves on a video and take notes, and then we would get dissected um, in the classroom. And I had two great pulpit speech teachers. I learned so much from Dr. Hankins and Dr. Wisdom. We called him Spankin' Hankins because uh, he, he had a gracious way of spanking us in uh, our pulpit speech class, but there's always been people, especially in my earlier days in ministry, that they would just have a, a knack for, hey, have you, have you thought about this, or did, did you mean to say it this way? And then there would be some people that would just be point, they'd just be very blunt. You did not say this right. Look at this passage. Look at what you missed, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was good for me, and uh, it's, it's helped me, but I would, I would tell our faculty and staff, and I would tell uh, our students, that if you, if you want to complain, if you want to gripe about something, then let's, let's do it in, in the right attitude. There's a difference between complaining and griping and constructive criticism. And there's a way that you can come and you can approach me about something you don't like or something you like to have done differently or whatever it might be. And I would try to help our teachers and our students with that. And sometimes... I would turn it around and I would say something along the lines of, well, if you think that is a problem, why don't you become part of the solution? What would you be willing to do to help solve that problem? What would you be willing to do to take that matter on and help me with that? And sometimes as I would turn the conversation that direction and they could see I was trying to put it on them to take maybe some responsibility in that, all of a sudden the conversation got really short 
And sometimes they would be like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. And then they would, they would jump to it. But we have to remember that when we bring complaining and we bring griping, that there can be an attitude of malice. And that's what God is trying to teach all of us through his word in what Moses dealt with with the Israelites in the wilderness. There was a malicious intent. There was a malice in the heart. That is ultimately what is at the root of complaining. There is constructive criticism. There are suggestions, and I need them. I need constructive criticism. I need suggestions, and it's important for us to learn from one another, and faithful are the wounds of a friend, iron sharpens iron, and we need counselors in our lives. But the griping and the complaining, where it's just an attitude or a heart of malice, that's where we find ourselves in a lot of trouble, and we violate clear principles of the Word of God. So what does Paul recommend in a book that's all about joy and rejoicing, as we think about thanksgiving and gratitude, especially this week of the year, what can be some cures, some biblical principles that can provide a cure for complaining? Well, verses 1 through 11 tell us a lot right there, teach us a lot right there in those verses about having the mind of Christ and the servant spirit of our Lord. We see humility, we see other-mindedness, we see, we see service in sacrifice of the greatest kind of the greatest magnitude in our Lord and Savior. That can be right there a cure for complaining. When our heart is full of malice and bitterness and just anger and ill will, the rebuke that we get just from Philippians 2 verses 1 through 11, when we see Christ and his humility and his service and his sacrifice, that right there can be a cure all by itself. But also, in verse number 12, we see the importance of being busy for the Lord, working hard for the Lord. Many times the cure for complaining is just getting busy, getting our hands dirty in service for others. In finding out that we can, with the Lord's help, be a part of the solution instead of just trying to point out all of the problems. And we saw that in verse 12 where Paul says, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed. And he said, not just when I was there watching, but also when I was not there, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And then we see that, uh, that, that dual principle of, of our sanctification, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God which worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we live in that tension all the time where we're depending upon the Lord, but we are exercising those spiritual disciplines. That will help us with complaining, allowing God to do his work in our life, as we just read there from verse 13. And then number four, realize, realize the glory of the Lord and our testimony are at stake. Verse 15 that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Isn't it a shame when some, isn't it a shame sometimes when we as Christians are the loudest complainers? We're complaining the longest and the loudest and the most. And what kind of a testimony is that before an unsaved world. The unsaved world has a lot to complain about. In, in, in their lost condition, 
there's a lot of despair. There's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of injustice. When everything is seen from an unsaved person's perspective and there's no view of eternity, no view of the eternal, no understanding of the true meaning of life, no understanding of the grace and the mercy of God and so great a salvation, then the unsaved, they have all kinds of reasons to complain. And we see it, especially in an election year. We just get sick and tired of the negativity in the political ads and everybody's mudslinging and throwing things at each other. We can rise above that. We can be very distinct and shine as lights in the world. We can be blameless and harmless in our testimony just by having the right attitude and the right spirit and not being gripers and complainers. Verse 16, how else can we cure complaining? By being a witness, sharing the gospel. We see in verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We can get busy sharing the gospel with others, and it will take our eyes off of all of our problems and all of the bad things going on in our lives when we see the desperate need of the unsaved for Christ, for salvation, for forgiveness of sins. That can change our whole perspective. Verse 16 also, number six, remember the people who have ministered to you and how disappointed they would be if you are unfaithful, if we are found unfaithful. When we gripe and we complain, we can get so self-focused, we can get our eyes so much on ourselves and our testimony is affected, our witness is, effective, is affected, and then how disappointing is it for those who have invested in our lives? I cannot imagine how many times my mom and dad must have been disappointed in me when I came home and they're, they, they were sacrificing incredibly beyond, I could, I, I'm just, as I've gotten older, realized the magnitude of my parents' sacrifice to put us through a Christian school, to keep food on the table and clothes on our backs so that we didn't look like ragamuffins. And we didn't dress the best, but my mom and dad made sure we had, I mean, my mom to this day, she'll go to the grocery store and she's more worried about what us and the grandkids are eating than she is about herself. And she says, I had this much left in my budget and uh, I just spent it on you guys. Can you guys pick it up next time you're in India or next time we come up? I'm like, sure, mom, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, but just that, that attitude of always, I know Kelly's parents were the same way, always concerned about us. And what does that say when we gripe and complain? If my, if my mom or dad or my in-laws have us over for dinner or drop off a, a bag of groceries and I said, oh, this isn't the brand I wanted. Oh, I can't stand this and whatever it is on the plate. What? That'd be an absolute shame, wouldn't it? But how many times have we complained to the Lord? Or how many times, I know for me as a kid, I didn't like the spinach that was on my plate and I had to pour enough vinegar on there so it would slide down, you know? And, uh, you know, and not, not appreciating what my mom and dad had sacrificed to make life happen for us. Um, and, and to do so much for us. And I know how wearisome it gets as a, as a parent when our kids complain. And we just, we look at each other and we're like, <laughs> and yet we can, we can do the same to our Lord. 
and we can be guilty of doing that, and it harms our testimony, and it shows a, an ungratefulness even for the people who have sacrificed the most for us. And then uh, principles 7 and 8, verses 17 uh, down through verse 18, a great way to cure complaining is to just get busy serving. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice in service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Paul's attitude isn't, you Philippians, I had to work so hard for you guys. You Philippians, none of you were saved when I first got there, and I had to just witness, I had to grow you up as baby. Do you hear that attitude in Paul at all? That's not the attitude at all in Paul. Paul there again, the Philippian church was first generation, no synagogue. They had to go and they had to reach those people from ground zero with just a handful of believers and then grow that church and they suffered persecution. But we don't hear an ounce of complaint in Paul for having to minister to those people and help grow them up when they were just baby Christians when they were not even organized as a, a synagogue or as a church. And then the church forms and the Philippians are an incredible testimony for the Lord and they bring such great joy and delight to Paul's heart. And imagine if we just got busy serving, even the people that are hard to serve sometimes, if we just got busy serving and just loved like Christ loves, the complaining will drift away because we'll see the need, and we'll also see the needs in our own life, and we'll see God doing a work in our heart as we are ministering to others. It's amazing how God will help us with our heart and our attitude when we're serving and sacrificing with joy, with the right attitude, just saying, I'm going to make up my mind to do this in the service of the Lord, whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And just making up our mind to do that and reminding ourselves again of verses 1 through 10. And then lastly, enjoying the blessing of God. There's always so much to be thankful for, always. Even in the hardest times, even the most difficult periods of our life, there's always something to give thanks to the Lord for. Enjoy the blessing of God and the sweet fellowship of obedience and unity. And we cl close here. In verses uh, 17 and 18, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. And we hope to experience that even tonight after the service as we fellowship together. And the joy that comes as believers united in Christ, serving one another, encouraging one another, sometimes even exhorting one another, the joy that comes with that. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I, I spent four days with my father-in-law, uh, it had been last week, and to hear him talk about his church, I mean, it just, I love it. I love listening to my father-in-law talk about the joy of being back in his church after having to be out for so long as he ministered to my mother-in-law and to hear him talk about all the activities, all the services he's going to, all the different classes. I mean, the fellowships. I just, I, I love it. I just love to hear a man who loves his church, who loves being with the people of God, who loves serving the Lord and wants to be with God's people 
And that just brings such joy. Think about what would happen in our world today. What would happen to America if people got back in church, giving their hearts to the Lord and serving one another instead of all this attitude of hate and God, you've done me wrong and on and on it goes. If we would submit ourselves to the Lord, get back in church, serving one another, loving God, worshiping Him faithfully in the right way, in humility and in reverence. Just imagine what God, what God would do in this nation. And that's, that's what we need so desperately. So as we think about Thanksgiving and gratitude, uh, let's uh, try to put the complaining away and uh, take a, a dose of, of a medicine to cure to cure our complaining, and that dose of medicine is found uh, in the Word of God. So I hope these eight principles are of help to us uh, this Thanksgiving season. All right.